I mean, I could just move out and buy a Lambo, like if I wanted to, but it's like, so far there's no point. You know, I'm still in my, you know, building, developing, there's the stuff, the interesting stuff that's gonna be in the podcast, you'll see, right? Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Unforkable. This is a show about the fast-moving world of crypto. You may have heard about Ethereum, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Well, basically, this show is about that stuff. And then again, I hope it will be about much more. But let me introduce myself and explain. My name is Jonas, I'm the host of this show. I love listening to podcasts, the good ones. Those that tell stories and make complex or seemingly boring things interesting and captivating. I also spend way too much time on crypto Twitter and Reddit, reading up on the latest in the blockchain space. So I like crypto and I love podcasts. However, when it comes to crypto podcasts, there are not many out there that excite me. And that's not to disrespect anybody. It's because it's damn hard to make a good podcast, as I'm about to learn. I would like to invite you along on this journey. Please visit unforkable.cc and sign up on the mailing list so you will always be notified as soon as a new episode is available. So let's start the show. Today I'm talking to Christian Spar. He's an ETH graduate and now a full-time crypto trader with a focus I didn't graduate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Turns out there were many other things I didn't know about Christian. For instance, that with 25 years old, he's already sitting on the board of advisories of an investment firm. Here is the story how that came to be. I met the guy while flying my drone and he got really mad at me because apparently I was too close to his home. And I get it. In his position, you should be more cautious with strangers with drones and cameras and stuff like that long story short i stopped flying my drone there and then later i just tried to you know i I went to his house to confront him like what was that all about can we just talk this out you know find some common ground and then he invited me into his house and then we just had some beers until 2 a.m in the morning and we just talked about what do you do and what do i do and i told them i'm into cryptos big time since 2016 i told him my story that you know since 2016 i'm i started you know buying my first bitcoin experimenting with mining and investing and trading and i I have my own you know i I programmed a trading bot essentially right and he was he was like okay you see we're investing in technology and the the traditional finance industry industry is missing out nobody's yet at that time when we talked about it nobody's yet on that crypto train everybody's just missing out the the institutionals don't want to touch it for some reason because they're scared right and i told him you know i can be your gateway i can tell you everything i know and we can make something happen But before all of that, Christian was studying at a prestigious technical university here in Switzerland called the ETH, which is not only standing for the handle of Ethereum, by the way. It's the MIT of Switzerland. That's the perfect description, I guess. It's it's a university that is focused on producing high-quality academics. That's what it is. They just produce geniuses fresh from the factory. That's what ETH is all about. Yeah. 
What, what did you study then? I started studying biochemistry and in the third year I failed. I would say that, that I'm, I'm not an old man, but that was the low point of my life then, my, my very short life. Then I, then I switched to environmental sciences and then that just bored me. I mean, there's, pardon my French, but there's so many hippies in that, in that study, right? I mean, yeah, not going into detail there, but I, I didn't really feel at home there. Luckily, that's about the time when Bitcoin was getting on his radar in 2016. But he was not alone in his new interests. Christian's mother was also just finding out about cryptocurrency. I was still living at home at that point with her, with my mom in Switzerland. And I was out and one of my friends told me about Bitcoin. He told me yeah, it's, it's, a, it's actually a really significant invention. And I was hooked instantly. And then I came home and, I, 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 and my mom told me she heard about Bitcoin on YouTube, right? The same, the same evening? In, not the same evening, oh. but in, within the same week. And, you know, at some point she mentioned like, oh yeah, I just saw a really interesting video about Bitcoin. I think we should look into that. I was like, that's really funny. One of my friends just told me about Bitcoin too. And I agree, we should probably look into that. And so they did, and what Christian learned about Bitcoin turned him into a true believer of the cryptocurrency. Okay, if this is true, like if you cannot print Bitcoins, if there's a finite amount, and if I can send these from one person to another, no matter where that person is, as long as they have internet, I can send Bitcoins to some guy in China or India or America, anywhere. And no bank can compete with this service, transferring what value for this little money and in this little time, even if it's Christmas at 3 a.m., I can transfer Bitcoin and it's gonna be there the same day. And nobody can stop me, ridiculous. And on top of that, you cannot print it, so it's inflation proof. I just realized, okay, if that is true, if that actually works, then it's gonna be huge. Like, there's only 21 million Bitcoins. They're not gonna make any more, you know? So I realized, as soon as people will discover this, as soon as people will realize what Bitcoin can do, then, you know, they're, they're going to pile on. And just just so that every millionaire can have a Bitcoin, it must be more expensive than it is now. So that's when I decided, OK, I'll just go in. I'll just go all in my my inheritance, everything. Just fuck it. Bitcoin is going to be the future. It was the that was the smartest, dumb idea that I ever had. That, that's, that's how I like to describe it. It's like the smartest dumb idea I ever had. An idea that later would pay off quite handsomely, as we all know. The newfound interest in Bitcoin led Christian step by step further down the crypto rabbit hole. But then later you start to realize, okay, there's not just Bitcoin, there's also Litecoin and Ethereum and a whole bunch of other interesting coins. So many things you can do with the blockchain now. So you start actively trading those and you quickly realize, okay, you don't have free time anymore. You don't have a social life anymore because you're awake until 5 a.m. to see how the day closes, you know. What do you mean by that? I mean, the, the crypto markets are open 24-7. Yeah, okay, so I got a lot into technical analysis, right? One of the important metrics is that you know how the day closes. Like, you, you know how to read candle charts, right? You have the open, the close, and in between of that, you have the high and the low, right? For the daily chart, the most important metric is the close. So how does the day end? Do we end above this trend line or below this trend line? Do we end the day above this moving average or below this moving average? 
and the day ends not in Swiss time, but American time. So you kind of want to see that before you go to bed. So that's why I stayed up a long time. How did you get started with the idea of a trading bot? Basically, it was a necessity. We quickly realized why Wall Street traders don't age very well, right? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a stressful job. When you buy into an asset or if you make the mistake of FOMOing in, right, when, when it's already rising and then it goes down and you realize, oh, I probably made a mistake and now I'm, now I'm in the reds and hmm, what can I do? You're, you're constantly, this is always on your mind. If you're not professional, if you're not a professional trader, if you, if you don't have a lot of experience with it, then it's gonna, it's not gonna be easy and it's, it's gonna be very, you know, stressful for you. The necessity of a trading bot became more and more eminent. However, it was actually a friend of Christian who came up with the winning trading strategy. So at some point, George, my, my close colleague, he studied banking and finance. Actually something that has something to do with the topic, right? <laughs> and he told me about this trading strategy, which is basically just portfolio rebalancing. Very simply put, you have a portfolio of multiple assets, and if one of them is outperforming the rest of your assets, then you, 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 you sell a little bit of it. And if one is underperforming, if one is lagging behind, then you just buy it in. You, you, you just sell some of the others that are not underperforming just to buy the one that has gone down, right? So and you just do this over and over, right? Mm -hmm. And this, this strategy has been invented, I guess, in the 70s when stock trading became a thing. So it's a really old, tried and true and tested there's lots of papers on portfolio rebalancing and how it works. And, you know, so George told me, yeah, actually, we can, we can just, instead of doing it by ourselves, we can just do this completely mathematically. And then there's no stress involved. There's no emotions involved. It's just purely mathematical. So the first thing we did was create a spreadsheet, just an Excel spreadsheet that would make the calculations for us. And then every day we would see, oh yeah, so right now at midnight, selling some of this, buying some of that, and the rest is fine. We then realized, okay, actually we can probably write a little bot, a little Python script that's just running 24 seven on one of our computers, connected to our Binance accounts and just making those trades automatically. There has to be a way. And then I just told George, okay, actually in biochemistry, in my studies, I learned how to program Python. Let's just, we, we, we just fire up team viewer. You just watch me, George. And we're just staying up all night until we have a working prototype. And it took one weekend and we had our first prototype. It was really janky. It was one massive script that, that you know, did everything. You know, it was, it was from a programmer's perspective, it was terrible probably, but it worked. So, so let's deconstruct this. So basically what, what you told us now, um, as far as I understood, is basically the rebalancing of the portfolio. First, you set what coins you want to hold. So we have yeah. Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, you have Litecoin, you have, for instance, like 70% Bitcoin. And then I want to have some Litecoin and I want to have Ethereum. Then you, you buy them and the bot at this moment is basically rebalancing the, the, the wins um, and losses or that, that yeah. just in general the portfolio stays in this uh, ratio is that right uh, I don't want to give too much away right because you know we just we're in the brink of starting our own company based on this technology but yeah that that's the basic idea of it you set up the percentages 
like I want to have, let's say, 10 different coins and each one has 10% in it. Let's just make it simple. And then if there is an, if, 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 if you check the price later, like a day later and realize, okay, Ethereum is now 15% of the, of the total portfolio and, and, and Litecoin is now just 8% of the total portfolio, then you realize, okay, Ethereum is outperforming and Litecoin is underperforming. And then you just work out, okay, how much do I have to sell on, on Ethereum? How much can I invest in Litecoin? And, and, and that's how you rebalance the portfolio. Mm, okay, so, so the really crucial moment is actually the first step when you say, I want to hold those 7, 10, 20. Is there a maximum or minimum which you, you would uh, recommend? Uh, the, the key part is you don't want anything that goes to zero. Because if, if you have, let's say, BitConnect in your... <laughs> Bitconnect. Bitconnect in your portfolio, <laughs> then and, and, and the thing just tanks and you know fundamentally there's no way this is ever going to recover to its original part, uh, to its original, original price, then you know your bot is just going to mathematically just buy more and more and more on the way down because it's cheaper, it's, it's, it's underperforming the rest of your portfolio. And the idea is actually to sell it when it's overperforming. But you know, BitConnect is never going to mm. outperform your portfolio again. Okay. Uh, and the second thing, I mean, now we have the rebalancing of the portfolio. Um, but the second thing is, um, basically, when you look at the price chart, you also have the bot programmed to uh, buy low and sell high. Yeah. So that's a totally different part. Um, and how does that work? It's actually not a different part. It's like... That's the result of rebalancing, right? So think about it this way. By rebalancing, by selling the one that is currently going up and buying the one that is currently going down, what you're actually doing is selling high and buying low. So what Christian just explained is the key point of this strategy. Portfolio rebalancing not only keeps the assets aligned within the target allocations, but it can also boost the returns because quite naturally you sell when it's high and you buy the other assets when it's low. So this strategy works the best when the price swings are often and intense. You, you know what market volatility is, right? Assets just go up and down. There's lots of waves in crypto. And there's way more waves in crypto than any other asset class. I mean, I guess sometimes the Tesla stock is making big waves if there's news about okay Elon Musk cannot handle the production for the Model 3 or whatever then the Tesla stock tanks 7% or something in a big event like that but you know 7% if you look at any altcoin Ethereum does this all the time Litecoin does this all the time Bitcoin does this all the time so no asset class is as volatile as cryptos and the point is they, they just don't go up in a straight line they do waves they go up and down and they don't go up and down at the same time. But what is really um, astonishing is what you're saying, um, that they are not correlated so much. Because what I see, at least when you is that zoom astonishing? out... Is that I, astonishing? I see, I've seen them all kind of doing the same moves. If one coin goes up, all the other go up as well. And the okay. same... For, for, the, for, the, for the big picture, that's, that's true. Bitcoin is the tide that raises all the little ships, all the little altcoins, right? And yeah, for, so for the big conjunctural, is that even a word? Conjuncture? Mm, not sure. <laughs> Con conjunctur. 
so okay. so for, for for the big tidal moves like when when we're all in the bear market then everything goes down and we're all in the bear market then everything goes up there are a few exceptions to that rule of course for example binance coin which already has its all-time high but yeah apart from these these fundamental um you know exceptions to the rule there is always relative volatility between the coins right if it wasn't this way if coins actually moved all together upwards and downwards then investment would be really simple you just buy any coin it doesn't matter they all move make the same moves you're going to make the same amount of money right but we all know it's not that simple you can pick the wrong ones and you can pick the right ones at the wrong time right so but, but I, you're a trader of, as you have a trading bot yeah or are you also by heart somehow a hodler by heart i'm a hodler because i believe 100 percent in the validity and the and the future of cryptocurrency and, and mostly bitcoin right um uh, I, I'm only a trader because I want to maximize what I have. And I, I just saw the potential. I saw, okay, I can buy some altcoin, which is going to pump and then I can sell it for more. And then I have, I end up with more Bitcoin. That's the point, right? But basically the bot, uh, as you created it, or the one you're using is reacting yeah. to the market. Is yeah. there also one, uh, what do you think about bots that kind of like get the sentiment, uh, read tweets, read news cycles, mm. do stuff like that, take signals out, like external signals and use them. Right. Okay. So, so there's, there's two ways to trade markets, right? One is to just go buy and hold and just hope for the best. One is reacting to the market, which is what we do. We just buy and hold until we see an opportunity. And then the next thing would be what basically every trader is trying to do, and that is trying to predict the market. So lots of people, when they get into algorithmic trading, they make it really complicated. They're using neural networks. They're using, you know, all kinds of signals, you know, analyze Twitter feeds and then classifying tweets on, okay, how much impact are they going to have in order to make that conclusion? Like, okay, this tweet is going to be of this importance or is going to have this impact on the market that, that, that prerequisites that you have access to terabytes of tweets and terabytes of you know price data in response to those tweets and some idea to make a connection oh yeah this movement happened because of this tweet and not for some other reason i mean hugely complicated hats off to anybody who makes that work but the point i'm trying to make is that you know in every bear and bull market cycle these the, the people are going to react differently to information with, with these predictive algorithms, you, you're just, you're just going to end up doing a lot of, you know, let's just call it post-production, just, just adjusting your software as you go. How much percent uh, do you think like the, of the reported volume yeah. is created by bots? Okay, so there's a term called wash trading. Yeah. Wash trading is basically tricking people into thinking there's a lot of volume. The way wash trading works is, let's say we both have some token X and we want people to think, okay, there's, there's a lot of interest in X coin. I'm just going to put a market order here, selling 1 million X tokens. And you just make sure you're the first one, you just buy them off of me instantly. And then we just do that. And then you sell them back to me. 
Like every time these 1 million tokens switch hands from me to you and from you back to me, that's another million tokens being traded on that day, right? So if we want to trick people into thinking there's, there, there's suddenly there's big investors, we just set a price that's higher and higher. Like I'm going to sell them to you for 11 Satoshis. You just buy them off of me and then you sell them back to me for 12. And then I sell them back to you for 13 again. And suddenly there's tons of volume and the price is moving up. And people will think, oh, damn it, there's, there's, so, much, there's so much volume going on and the price is moving. This is, this is probably some massive investor, some bank, some institutional is probably getting into Xcoin now. I'm going to FOMO in. That's what it is. That's what wash trading is. So I have no official figures. There's no, like, not that I know of. There's no analysis on what the percentage exactly is on... On, on, on how much vol wash trading there is in the, in the crypto space. I would guess there's probably a lot. I could write you a script that does wash trading automatically. If, the, if it's so easy to do and so lucrative, then I would probably assume there's like, like possibly more than half of the trading that's actually going on is wash trading. But again, I don't have the official figures. I might be wrong. It might be 80%, it might be 10%, I don't know, but it's probably a lot. Mm. And there's also the, the crypto exchanges, which are in a fierce competition. You mentioned yeah. some before, Binance, one of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. OKX, Bittrex. Exactly. You know. And they also report um, trading volume, basically as a signal to attract new traders to their uh, exchange. Yeah. So on coinmarketcap.com, you can basically go into a coin which you, which you like. And you, you check out where is this coin traded the most. And there people have all the incentives to fake um, the, this volume just to show up in the top. And then maybe you sign up there and bring yeah. business, bring your business to that exchange. That's, that's a good point. Like it's, it's in the interest of the exchange to tell people or to fake volume, basically. Just to tell the message, by the way, there's lots of trading happening on our exchange. We're massive. And like, how do you say like... When you say, okay, Binance is the one of the biggest ones, like, how do we measure that in trading volume, right? That's all we know. That's all we know. That's all we have, right? Mm. Better would that's, be that's users. That's a good point. Users, buyers, sellers. That would yeah, be better, how, right? how many users do they have? Mm. But if you go on CoinMarketCap, it doesn't tell you how many users mm. does Binance have. It tells you how much volume there is on mm. Binance, right? So everybody just goes with that metric. I mm. don't know. That's a good point. I haven't thought about it that way, but yeah, probably absolutely. If the exchange is shady or if they have some, you know, if, if they have a shaky moral compass, let's just describe it that way, then I would probably assume there's, there's lots of exchanges that do it purposely themselves. Uh, as, we are, as we are on those shady parts, let's say. Uh, shady parts, Are you yeah. talking about the scammy parts of the, I mean, it's still the, of the cryptocurrency space. It's still the Wild West, sort of. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you this question about uh, bots. If, if you go online and you look for trading bots, you find people <laughs> like claiming, ah, oh, passive yeah. income, you become a millionaire. Yeah. Um, they try to sell you like bots, software, mm -hmm. they try to sell you um, signaling uh, advice, Yeah, there's so many Telegram groups and Discord groups where it's just like, they, they make the, the most outrageous advertisements. Like, oh yeah, we have intel from a professional trader who's been doing this for 25 years and yeah mm. you know he's putting all his trade calls whenever he's buying or selling something he's putting this in our tele telegram group and you can be a part of this for just 
500, 500 bucks a month, but you're gonna make way more than that, right? That's that's the selling point. Outrageous, and I mean, you know. And did you know, like, um, in BitConnect, people believed in BitConnect because they thought they have actually a bot mm-hmm. behind it, which was trading Bitcoin yeah. and doing a really, really great job, and therefore, like, offering and, um, and that's 1% the, per month. Yeah, and that's where the value was supposed to come from. And there was never proof. Like, if you've looked at the white paper on the website, there was never proof on how that bot works and, you know, who's going to actually develop that and... What's the track record? Or, or like, can I see the trades that this bot has done? No, there's none of that. It's like, yeah, guys, we have a bot that's churning out 1% a month and we're all going to be billionaires. Just, I mean, everybody has a calculator, pocket calculator. If I put in $1,000, I get 1% every month. No, per day. Sorry, it was per day. Actually. Oh, per, per, it was per day. day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 1% every day. Wait a year and it's going to grow exponentially. You're going to be a millionaire just by investing, you know, something some money you have on it on the side. Everybody believe that. I mean, not everybody, of course. I mean, but lots of people believe that. Lots of gullible people believe that. Which I mean, sucks for them, but it's at the end of the day it's survival of the smartest, I guess. <laughs> I hate to say that, but you know, that's what it is. But yeah, no, they didn't have that bot. I don't believe for a second they had a bot that, that's churning out 1% a month. No way. I'm sorry. I mean, hmm. I mean, I mean, part of the proof is that they exit scammed. So, of course, if they had a bot, why would they exit scam? They could ride hmm. this until they're all billionaires. But no, I they, mean, they exit scammed. So that's a, the, the whole project was bullshit. As soon as you have a uh, multi-level marketing people, people who benefit from signing you on to that program and um, getting like uh, referral fees yeah. or like percentage of what you are yeah. going to... You, you uh, get a benefit for, for getting somebody else on the platform as well. Like if, if I get a friend on, on board and my friend gets more of his friends uh, on board as well, then I also get you know a benefit for the friends that my friend got on board as well. So that's a that's that's a textbook pyramid scheme that's what it's called right so let's talk some numbers what what is your bot capable uh, of of doing it depends on the month you know so as i explained like the our bot draws profits from volatility and more specifically relative uh, volatility so if all your cryptos move up and down simultaneously then the bot is not doing anything because everything is right on the average of your portfolio. But if you have lots of cryptos that, that, are, that, that do not correlate at all, like if one's going up, the other's going down, and then vice versa, that's when you get a lot of trades and a lot of profitable trades from our bot as well. But you know, we, we've seen lots of months where we had 5% of growth, and that is compared to buy and hold, right? So if you, if you just buy and hold 10 different cryptos, and have one portfolio that's just buy and hold and the other portfolio is is actively traded with our bot at the end of the month depending on the month sometimes you get five percent more at the end of that month compared to the one that didn't trade at all but yeah we haven't done too much analysis on what the average is on our entire track record and the reason for that is we we haven't had a portfolio that we didn't change for for an entire year. So you're opening up your bot basically as a business. 
like yeah. a fund where people can invest or how not do you really. do that? It's what we do is the, the model that we do is software as a service. And the reason for that is paperwork. We don't want to be custodians because we don't have the license to be custodians for somebody else. We cannot hold the cryptos of other people. But what we can do is we can offer our software to others, right? So the, the way it works with us is um, you can, you can uh, generate API keys on your Binance account. The first level of permission is anybody with that key can look at your portfolio. So the second level of permission is making trades. And that's what we're going to need on top of the first level, of course. So not only can we see how many coins you have, but we can also trade those coins. That's the second level. Any trading bot is going to need that. And the third level is making withdrawals. So if you find any trading bot that's going to ask you to, to, to generate API keys with the third level of permission, to make withdrawals, then you know it's fishy. In, in order to, to trade for profit, I don't need to withdraw any Bitcoins from your account, right? So what we tell our clients uh, is, you know, just give us the API keys with the default setting. And the default setting is just having the first two levels permitted. We built a server that's running in my home. And from there, that's where the trading software is and that software is going to use your API keys to connect to your account and then it's going to remotely make those trades on your account. So in this setting, the custodian of your of your cryptos is Binance, right? So they still have your coins. They still have, you know, that they, they make sure that it's that is that it's safe. And if Binance gets hacked, then it's not our fault, right? And it's it's your fault for trusting Binance. Let's put it that way. Let's put it mildly, you know. So uh, you have your cryptos on Binance. You give us the keys, and that way we can trade for you in your name. And that's that's a model which is very similar to just software as a service for for a license. Yeah, and and every at the end of the month or just in in, in a set time period, we just send you an invoice with the details, all the trades that we've done and how we calculate, okay, now you have, let's say 0.5 Bitcoins more than you would have had without trading. So of that, we want our share. That's how it mm. works. So um, one of the mantras is not your key, not your coins. With bots, you have all the coins um, always on the exchange. Mm -hmm. um, so basically that the bot can trade them. Uh, doesn't that increase the possibility of an attack it does okay so here is the point with that okay uh, not your keys not your coins basically means the power to with make withdrawals or to send bitcoin from your address to some other address is stored in the private key everybody and anybody and only those people who have the private key can send your bitcoin actually on the blockchain on an exchange you don't have those keys on, on a centralized exchange, that is. For example, the Binance one. They are what's called the custodian for you. They keep the Bitcoin for you and you just trade the rights to those Bitcoin with other users. But the Bitcoin stays in the same place. So that's why it's fast and that's why it's cheap. But of course, it comes with the risk that if the exchange is hacked, then your coins are just gone. Um, with Binance, this has, this, this has happened a few times. Uh, even recently, there was a hack where like 
uh, I think 7,000 Bitcoins were stolen. Um, at this point, it's, it's about risk management. You have to do your research on the exchange, not only the coins, but also the, the exchange. So you have to evaluate that too. You have to make sure, do I trust Binance? Do I trust Bittrex? Do I trust OKX, right? Um, there's of course some benefits that also come with having your uh, coins on an exchange because it's not all bad. For example, all of your own private keys, if you lose them, you're fucked, they're gone. <laughs> There's no insurance for them and nobody's gonna replace that for you. But if you keep it on an exchange and the exchange gets hacked, in some cases the exchange is insured and makes sure that you get your tokens back. For example, with the Binance hack that happens, the, the, the 7,000 Bitcoins that were stolen, which is roughly, I, I guess at the time it was $41 million, none of the users actually lost anything because Binance set up a fund specifically for that case. So if they lose tokens, then they have another fund from which they just can take the Bitcoins or, or the crypto and just replace what the users have lost. Not a, not a whole lot of exchanges do that, but you know, it's up to you. You have to do the research if you want to take that risk of having your exchange getting hacked or you losing your private keys. That's, that's, that's the trade-off here. <laughs> All right. I mean, for a lot of people, this sounds like scary as hell. Um, it is. To get hacked or to lose the keys. And I think that's one of the big issues for getting people into this space. No, yeah, but, but this is what sets the pioneer apart from the rest, right? You know, using the internet at all was, was when that was a new technology, it was also complicated. There's always a trade-off between risk and reward. If there's no risk, then it's typically no reward. If there's lots of risk, then there's probably a bigger reward, a potential bigger reward. Mm. And that's the case here. I think it's actually what's interesting is also, this is one of the few moments where like the regular people, which are called in the jargon retail investors, are actually at the forefront with financial um, innovation. Yeah. Let's look at startups. Only like people with lots of money can invest in startups and they gain all the benefits before you you may have used Facebook first. Exactly. But yes. you didn't benefit from like the you cannot invest in Facebook. And now it's basically the other way around. Yeah. I think there's a really great analogy and that is um uh angel investment in startups. Uber is a startup or it, it was a startup, right? Now, Uber is worth how much? Like, I think 80, 85 billion dollars. And who made that money? The angel investors, right? The initial few, just a handful of investors who, who had the possibility and the know-how and the knowledge about Uber. Now, Bitcoin was funded at the, at the same time. And how much is Bitcoin worth now? What's the market cap? A hundred billion or more. The question is, who made that money? It's all not the early holders. All like the early holders, like everybody who bought basically at a at a at a cheaper price than it is today. If you bought at one dollar cheaper, then you are part of the people who made the profit. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of ironic because basically the libertarians are like against banks, etc. But somehow still, they want the institutions, which are also banks. Mm -hmm. to get in their space just it's paradox yeah so, they can make okay, more so, money so, so here's my view on that i don't think we need the institutionals my clients some of my clients are institutionals of course so 
not gonna talk too much shit on them but <laughs> i don't think we don't need the institutional huh. look at what ha what's happening in venezuela there's like people like average people on the streets who are using bitcoin and litecoin to circumvent the national currency and why is that because the national currency is suffering from a million percent of inflation like think of that Th that's crazy like the venezuelan bolivar has lost way more value in terms of percentage than bitcoin has since its all-time high <laughs> especially now but even like when bitcoin was at twenty thousand and then it dropped down to three thousand it was you would have still been better off investing in bitcoin in that period of time compared to just holding your national currency which is venezuelan bolivar so the people there are just using bitcoin and bitcoin cash and litecoin or or dash i heard Dash is really popular in, in, in Venezuela. They're just using that to buy everyday stuff, to, to shop at some, some supermarkets, some, some restaurants. You just go there and pay with cryptocurrencies. And why is that? Because there's nobody who can stop them. That's number one. As long as they have internet, they can use these currencies. The second is, um, you know, it's more stable. Believe it or not, these cryptos are more stable than the Venezuelan Bolivar. There is no bank that can tell them, oh yeah, no, you cannot accept, you know, donations from outside. There's no institutionals that can stop them. So I don't see why what the big discussion is about getting into institutionals on board. The use case is not with institutionals. This is not meant to be a toy for, for large banks to play around and make a whole bunch of money on them. Let's make people more familiar with all those coins because there are two thousands of them. Oh, okay. Or even more, right? Yeah. So I'll give you a coin and you just say the slogan. What is representing that coin to you? Okay, a slogan for coins. Okay. Yeah. Let's see where this like, goes. Yeah, let, let's just try it out. I mean, okay. If it's not working, I'll just cut it out. Okay. Actually, it did work very well. And I have a full segment of Christian and me talking about specific cryptocurrencies and what he thinks about them for instance scam <laughs> no no um okay shots fired okay uh no. i like it i love it however i wanted to keep this episode short and sweet without digressing too much from the topic therefore it will be ending here thank you very much for listening to the first episode of the show nevertheless if you are interested in hearing more of christian and what he thinks about ripple eos bitcoin cash and other cryptocurrencies I'll be happy to send you the download link for the rest of the discussion. Just shoot me an email to jonas at unforkable.cc and I will gladly respond and send you the download link directly to your inbox. That's jonas at unforkable.cc. Thank you very much and until the next time. Thank you.